Hello, hello, my above average tribe, and welcome back to the A Minus Life podcast. I am your host, Casey Jericho. And once again, I am so happy to have you here listening, and I hope we can laugh, learn, and grow together. Before I get into the topic for this week, I want to remind you guys that every review, like, share is so appreciated and really helps me and this channel out. So if you're not too busy while listening to this, it would be very appreciated if you could subscribe to this podcast or my YouTube channel, leave a rating, uh, leave a raving review on either platform. Also, please share with family, friends, even mortal enemies. I want to uh, also remind you guys that even though I have turned into a professional podcaster, my true love is my one-on-one lifestyle coaching company and our lifestyle app. If you are ready to make some sustainable and enjoyable change and learn what feeling good actually feels like, please click on the link in our show notes, on my Instagram, or on my website and join the team. You can use code A-LIFE10, spell out minus, to get 10% off any package you choose as a thank you for tuning in. I really appreciate it. And now that my lovely spiel is over, let's keep showing up and get into it. Okay, so episode 10, my favorite number. Well, my favorite soccer number. I wouldn't say it's my favorite number. And today's episode, very apropos to what is about to happen tomorrow, and that is what I'm thankful for this year, and definitely not just uh, this year, but pretty much my three most appreciated things in my life. Um, Before we get into it, I want to say that people are not probably going to agree with two of these, or they might not understand two of these, but to each their own, it is what I am thankful for, right? Don't yuck my yum. Don't judge my thankfulness. Um, You are allowed to be thankful for whatever it is. And even if someone doesn't necessarily agree with it or they judge it, you can still be thankful. You can still be proud. You can still appreciate things. So with that being said, let's do number one. These are in no particular order. Um, I am probably going to end with the most important thing. But um, number one is definitely a close second. But it's probably the most in-depth, so I'm going to start with it first. So what I'm thankful for this year in 2023 and that I keep becoming more thankful for as I get older is how I was raised. Now, this took me a long time to realize and appreciate, and it is a little burning that the quote that you hear so much when you're younger, right, you'll understand when you're older, it's true. And I can, I would need 10 hands to count the amount of times I probably eye-rolled my parents or my aunts and uncles or my grandparents or my coaches that said this to me, but damn it, they are right. And I've already caught myself saying it to students, to my kids, and it's true, right? You do understand so much of what your parents and what your elders were trying to teach you once you get older. And I mean, it makes sense. You're naive when you're younger and you don't really get the world. So it's not like this was a fault of mine, but you'll understand when you're older is a 1000% accurate depiction of a youth mentality and how it changes as you grow up. 
So I did dive into how I was raised on episode two. Um, If you did listen to it, you know that I had a pretty unique childhood, I guess you could say. Um, It wasn't crazy. It's not like a rags to riches story or, you know, I didn't dig myself out of poverty or trauma, but it was definitely unique. It wasn't the normal childhood that I guess you would write about if someone asked you to jot down, you know, the picture perfect kid life. Um, I was an only child, right, to two pretty successful athletic parents, my dad being more successful than my mom, but still very athletic. My mom also dove into my father's athletic career, so she was part of that. I had a super small family, so you know, I had like three cousins local. Um, grandparents passed away when I was younger. So one grandparent that was really in my life. And we were a blue collar. Both parents worked. Small house, you know, three bedroom, one bath. Lived on a main road. Didn't have anything luxurious. Um, so that was kind of the synopsis or the very condensed version of how or like the scenario of where I grew up in, right? From a young age, I watched my dad go for workouts. He would run. Um, and some of my earlier memories, which again, if you guys listen to episode two, were doing push-ups and sit-ups before bed. He would time me for a minute and I would try and do as many as I could. I would write it in a book and I would compare. I bench pressed downstairs with him, empty barbell, but I remember laying down on the bench in our dusty basement and bench pressing. He would use like um, builder's chalk to chalk my hands up and I would test my vertical in the basement. He had me do like plyometrics with boxes outside, which was like the OG form of CrossFit before it was CrossFit. So a very early memory for me is working out and being fitness focused. Um, I had this soccer journal, which I still have today. It's a blue notebook that has like the perforated pages and from I think when I was like eight years old I have to look back um, my dad started writing down the days that I would practice and the days that I would practice with my teams or the days that I would practice in the backyard and kind of keeping stats how many juggles um, I could do at a certain age on a certain day how many you know push-ups and sit-ups, how many shots I got on frame because my dad built me a soccer net out of PVC pipe and that like orange construction plastic fencing. Um, That was our goal. It was pretty awesome actually. And he would set up cone drills and he would time me and I would do left foot, I would do right foot, then I would do both feet and he would write down the times and I would compare. It was just full of stats. Uh, He would have me do certain drills. He would write them down. He would write down games, assists, goals, if we won, if we lost, stuff like that. It was actually really cool to look back on. And I really remember staying out so late at night. We only had like this one porch light that would shine far enough past our deck to go onto the grass that would he would keep on. And I would just stay outside juggling until I mean, I have to imagine it was pretty late because it was in the summer and it was pitch black, trying to beat my juggling record because if I did, he usually would get me TCBY, which if you don't know, is the country's best yogurt. And it is absolutely what the name says, the country's best yogurt. So being the foodie that I was, I stayed out until I basically broke it just to make sure I could get a white chocolate mousse parfait the next day. 
Um, flash forward to my obsession when I ate like a pint and a half of it a couple months ago. But a lot of my younger memories are surrounded by sports. Um, I don't have a great long-term memory. I can't like remember specific games or stats, but I do remember that. Um, I remember going to practice early so we could do more drills, um, staying late to practice even after games, doing a couple extra things, right? It was like the one or one time I had a full field. So I used to take corner kicks and I couldn't really take them in my backyard. So we would go early and practice. I was always the first person I practiced and usually the last person there too. Um, I played on a boys team from when I was around 11, I believe. And this was totally, you know, fueled by my parents. I mean, they, they didn't force me. They asked me. I completely wanted to. And I was on this team with absolutely no sympathy or coddling. It was not like, she's a girl, treat her nicer, you know, don't tackle as hard. Probably completely opposite. The boys were pissed that I was on this team, so they definitely let me know it. Don't get me wrong, they were very nice, and I actually talked to some of them still. But I'll never forget one kid told me once while we were at practice that I should just stand in goal, because that was all I was good for. All right, just stand in goal, that's all you're good for. Don't play with us. Um, but don't worry, flash forward like a couple of months and he got a red card for punching another player on another team who like took me out. So I think he secretly liked me, but whatever. Um, that was a really cool experience. I loved it. Um, it definitely raised my level, made me tougher, made me play quicker. And again, the coach and the players, there was no no concern that I was a girl. Um, I remember one of the indoor tournaments, someone got my dad a shirt that said, I'm the girl's dad. And he actually wore it. And it was cool. Um, he's not one to like boast or brag, but I think he felt pretty badass that his daughter was playing with the boys team, a pretty good boys team at it. And I was doing pretty well. It wasn't like I came on and we were winning for nothing. Um, but that was definitely a unique situation and something I loved. I also um, would practice with a lot of male teams. And there was this team above us called FC Copa, um, who my girls team just loved, like loved. Girl crush hard. Like forget NSYNC, forget Backstreet Boys at the time. We were obsessed with the Copa Boys. Um, we had handshakes about them. Hopefully none of them are listening to this because it's pretty mortifying. But um, we loved them. And my coach was also their coach. They were like three to four years old. I think they were four years older than me. Um, so I had no right playing with them. They were elite, like top top of the region team. They weren't just like a local New York team. They had players go to like University of Virginia, NC State, Maryland. They were legit. Um, but my coach saw something in me. He knew my parents would be all for it. So I would practice with them, um, especially indoors when things were mostly skill-based. I would practice, and I would get my ass kicked, and they didn't really, you know, baby me at all. And it was great. Like, again, I didn't really belong, but I was challenged. I was welcomed with open arms. They were all respectful, and I actually hurt their center back one year because I went into a tackle with him. And it had to just be by chance because there's no way that I was, like, stronger than this kid he was four years older than me I think at six foot at the time and his ankle broke and I'll never forget it like I was labeled the girl that like hurt their center back and I was four years younger but um 
I can't even remember. It was at a baseball field. It was probably he hit like a um, a base and heard it. But playing with the boys was great for my mentality and it was great for my game. Um, definitely, again, made me tougher. Um, I was not the best, which was good because besides the first team that I ever got cut for, I was usually the top of the team. And that's not to toot my own horn. That's just because, you know, I worked really hard and obviously I have some natural talent. So I was usually at the top. Um, Not saying I wasn't challenged because, you know, nothing was ever good enough. So my parents always challenged me. But it was nice to take a back seat and feel uncomfortable and get, you know, pushed in a, to be better. So I was really happy that my parents not only you know, asked for me to play, but they like were big time supporters. They weren't nervous about me really getting, I mean, they probably were nervous about me getting hurt, but they didn't seem it. Um, oh my goodness, this is coming to me now. This is not even in my notes, but I'll never forget another moment where my coach was playing in one of the practices with the boys because he wasn't even that much older. He was like 23 at the time. And he, the ball was bouncing and he went to wind up and hit like a half volley. If anyone knows soccer, half volleys are amazing. It's like the perfect momentum of the ball meeting your foot where you can rip a shot. You can shank it or you can rip it. And he ripped it like for no real reason. There weren't like goals. We were indoors at a baseball field, but he just felt it and he hit it so hard. And the boy in front of me ducked in time. Well, I did not. And I got hit square in the face to the point where my legs came off the ground. And there was no chance I was going to cry because I had like 15 boys who I was like in love with looking at me and my dad and my coach. And people thought I was like knocked out. Like she's <laughs> she's not even breathing. Um, and I held it together. People were amazed. Parents were commenting. But the second I got into my dad's truck, I think I broke down. He was like, I don't know how your face is not broken. And But it was one of the few times I remember him being like, good job, Siege. Like, proud of you for holding it together. That was great. But holy moly, did I get rocked. I'm pretty sure if that was today, I would have had like, you know, six weeks concussion. Can't take notes in school. Can't look at a screen. But no, everything was fine. Um... I was held to pretty high standards in my house and it wasn't necessarily like standards that were unachievable because a lot of the standards were based on effort. I was not the smartest in school, but I got good grades because I worked hard and I never missed a homework because homework was something that you could control, right? Obviously my parents wanted me to get good test grades. It wasn't like I could come home with 70s. That was not an option, but They 100% understood that not every test was going to be great. But if I ever missed a homework or didn't do well on a project or didn't do well on something that was completely in my control, that was an issue. And now I preach that so much to my clients. Like you have to control the things you can control because so much of life is out of your control. You have to hold on to the stuff that you can. Um, I remember feeling like nauseous with every report card day until, uh, you know, First grade to senior year, I hated report card day. Even though I knew my grades were pretty damn good, I just got nervous. I wanted my parents to be proud of me. I wanted to do good, and I would get sick to my stomach. 
I'm pretty sure that would be labeled school anxiety right now. And I would I would probably get some free pass to like not have a report card because it would trigger my nerves. But that didn't happen then. Um, I had to deal with it and I had to have them open it and ask me questions and call me out on stuff. And oh man, I would rather have played soccer in front of 50,000 people than have a report card come home. Again, I was a 90s student, but that's just how it was, right? I wanted them to be proud. I knew they were going to ask, like, what happened here or, you know, what's going on. And holy moly, it was nerves. I think I even, like, forged a signature once in, like, eighth grade on a quiz that I got, like, an 85 on because I was so nervous to get it signed. But I, like, forged it and then didn't like the way I forged it, so I whited it out and then signed over it. Yeah, brilliant. I clearly got caught on that one. Genius. Um, no matter over the summer, no matter the weekends, like I was up early. Um, sleeping in like wasn't an option. I thought that was just, you know, just not something people did. There was always something to be done. Uh, my parents were always up before me. It wasn't like mom or dad was ever sleeping in. Um, they also got up. And if it was above 30 degrees outside, we were outside. My parents were outside. My parents were walking the dogs. They were gardening. They were doing yard work. They were doing something. It was never like, oh, it's snowing. Let's sit and watch TV. That was definitely not a thing. Um, my dad would take me to go watch any kind of game of older or better teams. So we drove all around Long Island. We drove all over the region. Like I remember going to Rhode Island to watch a club game because he wanted me to be a student of the game. He wanted me to learn. And I'm so thankful for that because I would have never thought of that as a kid. Like, oh, dad, it's Saturday. Um, let's go drive to Nassau to watch a boys team play just because of it, right? No one asked that, but he knew that would help me. We would go watch high school games of older kids play in championships. And he would ask me questions like, watch this number. Tell me what they did. Um, again, I was very lucky to grow up with a really successful boys team a couple of years above me. So I was able to watch and able to learn and pick their brain. Um, TV wasn't really on at all during the day. I'm pretty sure I was the only kid that watched Sports Center for dinner every night. That's what we watched. We did sit in front of the TV pretty much for dinner, but it was Sports Center. I could tell you everything, the top 10 every day, the da-na-na, da-na-na, right? The shows weren't really on maybe at nighttime when I went to bed and then if I wanted to watch TV there was this little tube TV down in the basement the unfinished basement on concrete that I could watch while I jumped rope and if it was really cold in the basement I could jump rope in the living room but I don't know how my parents weren't nervous about that because I felt like I was going to go through the floor but if I wanted to watch TV I jumped rope um, that was the deal and it got me so much faster my first step was immensely improved. I didn't think it was that weird, but it is an hysterical party trick when I tell people this at a later or older age because they're like, what? You had to jump rope to watch TV. And I'm like, yeah, like I'll never forget going into CrossFit for like the first time. And they're like, okay, there's jump roping in the workout. This might be tricky for you. And I was like, tricky for me? Like I'm a, I love jumping rope. I can jump rope for 45 minutes straight. And then the coach was like, yeah, okay, you can jump rope for 45 minutes straight. Yeah, right. And then I took the jump rope and I was just jumping, jumping. And he's like, all right, try double unders, which means like have the rope go under your feet twice every jump. And the first couple of times I didn't get it, but then I had it within like three minutes. And that's a skill that takes people like 
years. Like I know people who are like 15 years into CrossFit that can't get it. And it's just because I jumped rope four or five times a week for a half hour to 45 minutes straight. Um, it's also a joke that I never really watched movies because I couldn't jump rope for two hours. That was my cutoff. So half hour shows were my wheelhouse. Um, another rule that, well, another, I guess, segment of growing up that I really liked was how my parents handled technology. So obviously technology was new when I was in high school. Cell phones really started becoming a thing. And I'll never forget, I got my first flip phone and I had went to Sports Plus the night of. And Sports Plus was like this indoor arcade slash, you know, like bumper cars. I think there was like one Ferris wheel. It was like an indoor place and it was awesome, but it doesn't exist anymore. Um, and I lost my phone on the first day I got it in the bumper cars. I was mortified, not because I lost my phone, but because I knew my parents were going to kill me. Like, this was not cheap. Um, I finally got it, and the only reason I got it was because I was traveling internationally and across the country often for the national team, so I, like, needed a phone. That was the only reason. If I was not traveling alone, there was no chance I was getting a phone. I would have had to wait till college. Um, But the first day they gave it to me, it must have fallen out of my pocket somewhere on the bumper cars, and I lost it. But they did get me another one after a lot of yelling because, again, I was, like, going to California the next day by myself, so I needed one. Um, and the rule was, though, when I was home, I had to give them my phone at 8 o'clock at night. They kept it. No chance it was going in my room overnight um, with me being on it. That was at 8 o'clock in their hands off. I love this rule now and I do plan on doing it to my kids. And when I say plan, I, I'm doing it. There's no, I, I see it all the time in high school. They stay up till godly hours. Nothing good happens on it. So I will be taking my kids' phones at night. You can make me eat my words if I don't, but hopefully, or maybe if this podcast is still happening by the time they have a phone, I will circle back. Um, I did not love it so much at the time because obviously all my friends had it at night and I was dating a boy from California, my long distance national team love. And it was five o'clock his time when I had to put up my phone. So that was not good for our romance. Um, another thing that I never even really knew existed were naps. That was like not a thing in our house. Did not happen. I don't even remember my parents taking naps ever, even when they were super sick. I mean, my mom would faint every once in a while when she was sick, so I guess you could count that as a nap, but it was like, you know, 15 seconds. It wasn't until I started traveling on my own and like we were in hotel rooms and my other friends were like, okay, I'm going to nap in between practices. I was like, you're going to do what? Like, you can just fall asleep like that? Like, it was shocking to me. I still can't really nap today. It takes me an hour to fall asleep, so I would need a three-hour window to nap. Um, people that can just sleep at the drop of a hat are amazing to me, aka my husband. Um, another thing that my <laughs> that I laugh at is that my mom used to make me think that water was like the most expensive utility on the planet, right? The second I would get into the shower, she would be knocking on the door and be like, are you done? Water's not free, you know? <laughs> and I will never forget when I got my first water bill when I owned a house and I was like, mom, I was expecting this to be like $500. Like, what were you yelling at me for all those years? And she's like, well, hot water 
is more expensive because you use electricity, so it's not just the water, and you don't need to be in the shower for longer than 10 minutes. Like, there's things to be doing. Um, so that was definitely like a, a Santa Claus lie that I thought was real for the longest time. And it leads into the fact that my parents lived very frugally. Um, they both, my dad more so, grew up poor, and they did not have a ton of, I don't, and I guess not poor, but you know, very blue collar, working at a young age, didn't have a lot. Um, and they were very financially responsible. They claim that the only reason, well, not the only, besides that I was perfect. Um, one of the reasons they didn't have another kid was because they wanted to make sure they could always help me out financially, that there was nothing that I couldn't do because they couldn't afford it. And don't make that seem like they gave me everything in in money they did not they didn't they just wanted to make sure that if i was presented an opportunity that was good for me or you know would benefit me we didn't have to turn it down because of finances so they were like one kid that's it we want to make sure they're okay and again they are they're big savers i thought we were very poor growing up we lived in a very small house um I don't have any memories of a working oven. I'm pretty sure my oven broke when I was like 10 or maybe even younger. And to this day, I'm 34. My mother has not replaced it. She cooks out of a toaster oven, a convection oven. I mean, it's only her and my dad, so they don't eat a lot, but out of a convection oven. I was like, we must have no money that we can't buy another oven. Um, we treated things. My mom cleans out the garbage. Like if you throw a tin can out, she cleans it. She reuses wrapping paper. Like she will open gifts so perfectly that she can reuse the wrapping paper. She reuses tin foil if it's not ripped. She reuses plastic bags. She is not a waster. And things that you would label one use, she's like, well, why? Why can't you use it again? Like you can save hundreds and hundreds of dollars on just reusing things that people think are trash. And she's right. Um, it was weird for me growing up, but I'm the same way now. My husband actually joked the other day um, that he he is the opposite, right? Like he looks at Tupperwares as like one-time use. I'm like, what are you doing? Like those get washed and put away. And we've been working on, you know, meeting in the middle with more things. And the other day he took out like, an apple from a Ziploc bag that wasn't touched and he would have a hundred percent thrown it out a couple months ago and he just like wiped it clean and put it back in the drawer and I was like oh my goodness he's like that's your love language isn't it like I saved that and I was like it is like you are speaking my love language right now um but that's definitely from my mom like there is just no need to waste things it's also better for the environment um I also have no well, now I'm starting to realize but how expensive soccer must have been for trainers for trips and yes I got a lot of things for free with the national team but we didn't get anything for free with my club team and every single weekend we were out of state we went to you know Texas we went to California we went to Arizona we went to Florida Maryland like everywhere staying in hotels so that had to be super expensive and they never once complained or threw money in my face about it um when I started driving eventually, when I was in my senior year of, you know, March of my senior year, when everyone else was over it, there was a rule. I was either home by nine o'clock or I slept out, all right? They didn't wanna be woken up by me coming home. 
They had plans to get up in the morning. They had things to do. I was not interrupting their sleep because I wanted to be out. So, yes, I slept in my car sometimes around the block, not going to lie. But I also wasn't like a partier, right? I made up dances with my friends to holiday music. So I was never, you know, I had an earlier curfew than my friends, like little sister in eighth grade. Like the sun is still up at nine o'clock sometimes in the summer. And I was like, got to go home. But it's because they were all about routine. They were about their habits. They had things to do. They needed their sleep because they were going to be productive and they weren't going to let, you know, my stupid high school shenanigans get in the way of that. Um, There were times where my soccer performance like dictated my whole family dynamic. And yes, that's not exactly how I want to raise my kids, but I also wouldn't change it for me looking back on it. Um, I think I handled it well. I think I turned out okay. So it is easier said now that I wouldn't change it. Of course, at the time, it was hard, right? Um, If I did not play well in their eyes, they just didn't speak. Um, The silent treatment was a real thing in the Ludeman household. Um, Sometimes, you know, I ate dinner alone or I didn't eat dinner. Um, It was definitely a joke between my friends that if I didn't play well enough that they would have to come feed me dinner. And it wasn't like, I mean, there were screaming matches. There were days on end when I didn't speak to anyone. So being an only child with you know, parents not happy with you, my stuffed animals got a lot of attention. Um, I talked to them a lot and I wonder why I still have some from when I was little. Um, and I know there's like trauma there and I know if you're a psychologist or, you know, any adult, you're probably shaking your head and being like, this is not a good thing. And it's not, but if I changed any of that, where I am right now, might be different and I'm not willing to give up where I am right now. So I would 100% keep all of that in my life if that was, if it would have changed where I am now. And again, it is easier said now than when I was, you know, 14 and not being spoken to, but it all worked out. Um, right. I just feel like it's far too common that people aren't vocally proud of themselves. Um, and I'm not, I'm not a bragger. I don't like to cheer. I don't like awards. I don't like to be the center of attention. That's not what I mean, but I just feel like it's very trendy lately to be sad. It's very trendy to be depressed or have anxiety or have mental breakdowns. Like I hear those words every single day from my small circle. Like I am a very small business with not a ton of clients. Um, I don't have a huge gaggle of friends, but with my clients, I hear those words every single day. Someone's going to have a mental breakdown. Someone had a panic attack. Someone's depressed. Someone has so much anxiety. Like, holy shit. Um, Those words like did not fly or I didn't even know those words were in my house. Complaining, you were like, that wasn't a thing, right? And again, my parents didn't necessarily handle it the best way, right? If I was to cry, they'd be like, why are you selfish? Like, you're selfish crying. What's wrong with you? You have everything you need. You're a little bitch. Um, or, you know, like, what are you anxious about? You're a 14-year-old girl going to St. Anthony's, getting driven by your parents. Like, are you fucking kidding me? Um, nothing is really on your plate. And I don't know when this turned. I feel like I missed it. But when did it become more okay or cooler 
to be sad. And I guess it's an attention thing because, right, if you have two people in front of you and one is like, I'm happy, and the other person's like, I want to die, you're going to probably give more attention to the person that wants to die so they don't do it. Um, but it's it's a bummer, right? Like I just wish that we gave more attention and more love and more rounds of applause to the happy people, the content people, and not so much attention to the people that just bask in sadness and think it's cool to be depressed or they have like a who can be sadder off with their friends. Um, I see it a lot in high school. Um, Again, it's cooler to have more problems than it is to be happy. And I really hope that eventually changes, right? I want to be able to celebrate and clap for happy people, successful people, without being labeled cocky or a show-off. I'll never forget one time I put up a picture of my family and I was like on, on social media and I like did a bunch of hashtags and one of the hashtags was like family goals. And I got like called out by that by a friend. And I was like, huh? Like I can't be proud of my family? Like that's a problem? Because if I put hashtag like, you know, not everything's perfect or hashtag not rainbows and butterflies, like that would be okay. But because I wrote that we were happy, like that was a problem. Um, Right. So with that being said, I am happy and proud of who I am and where I am today. Mostly, and again, I don't want to give myself not enough credit, but because of how my parents raised me and it was not perfect. Um... Nothing was given to me on a silver platter whatsoever. And if you knew me growing up, you know this. Um, My parents probably could have given me stuff on a silver platter, but they did not. I didn't grow up on the streets like homeless or, you know, have parents that abused me. Well, maybe a little bit emotionally. Um, But they made me work for everything. Everything. Um, Money was never just given to me, even if it was for the movies. I made a deal with my parents that if I got a full ride to college, they would get me a car. And I did get a full ride to college and they got me like a used Pathfinder. I was like, that was not my intention, right? I'm at a school where kids are driving like Jaguars and I got a full ride to Duke. And I was like, yes, I'm going to, I'm going to pull into the parking lot in a Range Rover because I'm saving my parents so much money. And they're like, you're not saving a shit. Like we paid so much money for your whole soccer career. You can... And you can get this used car. And I was like, okay, fair enough. Um, I even remember as I got older, I applied for a teaching job in the school district that my mother worked in and my godmother was an assistant superintendent in. And people were like, oh, you got this. You're in. Like, this is great. And I'm like, you don't understand. Like, my mom is not pushing my resume through. She probably didn't even tell my godmother that I'm applying. She is not going to her principal's office and like advocating for me. She is the opposite of like anyone that would do nepotism. And guess who didn't get the job? Me. And she was like, well, you must have not interviewed well. Like, da, right? Um, and again, might sound harsh, but she made me work, right? I learned in that interview and I probably didn't interview well. I was young. I had things to learn. I probably didn't deserve the job. So I, again, I just really am thankful for the crazy childhood that I had, the lessons I learned, even though, again, they were not textbook 
soft parenting or, you know, let your kids have their emotions. And I'm pretty sure everyone on YouTube and all the loving, caring mothers on Instagram now would not love how I was raised, but too bad. I like it. I'm happy with it. I'm thankful for it. And yeah, I still get a little nervous to this day when my parents call me like, shoot, am I in trouble? Like that is the first thing that goes through my head, um, which makes me laugh because well, I'm usually not. I'm not going to lie. Sometimes my mom calls me pissed. So um, I guess I'm not totally off or, you know, out of it. But when that phone rings, a little bit of fear comes through me. Or if I knew I did something wrong or said something not so nice to my parents, a little bit of fear runs through me. And I think fearing your parents is an okay place to have or an okay place to be. It doesn't need to be like 90% fear, 10% love. But there is a happy median there. Your parents, you're not supposed to be friends. You can be close and as as you get older, of course, you can turn into more friends. My mom is probably one of my closest friends ever. She's the first person I call when I have something good to tell. But don't get me wrong. She still scares the shit out of me um, and she will forever. Um, so I am proud of the 34-year-old that I am. Um, I did not have any student loans. I worked hard. I had made a ton of sacrifices in my childhood um, to get that scholarship, to not have those loans. I missed out on a lot of stuff, but it was all worth it. I was able to buy my first house at 25 years old. Yes, with help from my parents, but I could have bought it without. They just helped the down payment. I work a full-time job, but I also run my own company while being a mom of two littles, a wife, keeping myself in shape. I'm proud that I'm resilient. I'm not easily stressed out. I've never once in my life claimed I was going to have a mental breakdown, and yet I have 8,000 things on my plate. Um, I'm not depressed. <laughs> I'm not that stressed. I don't have anxiety. I mean, sometimes I get nervous, but nervous is okay. And I know at the end of the day that a couple deep breaths, and I'm going to be okay. Um, and again, it's because how I was raised. I was raised to be tough. I was raised to be resilient. I was raised to work fucking hard, and I'm very appreciative for that, especially with the way the world is turning right now. Um, and again, I acknowledge that my childhood was not perfect. It was not textbook, but no one's childhood is, not one person. And I will gladly take the hard or the bad parenting that maybe went on or that I was dealt for this end result. And like I said before, I wouldn't change one thing about my childhood if that meant something right now would also change. So thank you, Barb and Russ. You are the real MVPs. I value, I respect you, and I thank you. And I am so glad that Russ and Rory get to have your guidance for hopefully a very long time, even if you are nicer and more lenient to them. But you're allowed to be because you're grandparents. Um, okay, so that one was a little long-winded. The next two aren't as long. Um, the second thing I'm most thankful for, especially now with my new career or additional career, is my big girl error. And I know that sounds crazy, but yes, being fat, I am thankful for that. And I know it sounds crazy, but it taught me a lot, and it also has made me very relatable to my clients and to my, you know, other women. All right, I've always, ha I was always the brunt of weight jokes even when I was a normal size kid it was just because I was surrounded by super skinny minis um, but 
that weight definitely became a problem right after college. So you guys know this for the most part. Senior year of college, when soccer stops, it's like October. So you still have like two thirds of your senior year with no sports. You usually have the off season, but when you're a senior, you don't have the off season because you're not getting ready for a season. So you have no practices anymore. You are an actual college student, which is wild. And so from 2009 to 2013, that was my big girl error. Um, I drank and I ate exactly like I did while I was playing sports. And no, I did not exercise. I'm 5'3 with a stocky frame. And when you eat and drink like I did without moving, you gain some serious weight fast. Um, I didn't really care. I didn't really see it. I needed a break from all the, not forced, I loved it, but all the mandatory exercise and workouts and whatnot. And I just was not there anymore. But then I really started to notice and become insecure and almost not myself, right? My identity was an athlete and it was a good athlete. It wasn't just like a JV level high school player, right? And I was starting to meet new people and they almost seemed shocked when I would tell them my past or, you know, that I just came from playing soccer at Duke. And that didn't feel good, right? That made me be like, oh shoot, like I'm getting to a point where like I'm unrecognizable or people don't even believe me. Um, And that kind of smacked me in the face, right? So I found myself again, looking, looking into movement, I found the passion again, I found my confidence, and I began to appreciate my body for what it could do outside of just the soccer field, right? I, I dove into other things. I had to struggle. I did the fad diets, I did the yo-yos, I self-hated, I body shamed. I still don't talk to myself that nice all the time. I'm working on it. It's definitely gotten better, but I went through it, right? I understand where people are coming from, And just because I wasn't 250 pounds or because it wasn't my whole entire life doesn't mean I can't relate. I mean, I stopped weighing myself at 190. I don't know where I went to. And four years is a pretty significant time frame. Um, If anything, right, it's harder to go from the podium of like elite athlete to Miss Roly Poly who breathes heavy doing the stairs. Um, It wasn't my whole life, but it was a complete identity shift from who I was. I had to dig myself out of this hole and I had to pretty much do it alone because coaches and stuff like that weren't really a thing then. I followed some people on Facebook and Instagram kind of was coming up, but it was like the first time that, you know, coaching and information like that was so readily available, but it was super confusing. So the fact that I was very unfit, very overweight for significant portion of my life. I mean, four to five years when you're only 34 is not a small part, right? It's one seventh of my life. I know that doesn't sound a lot, but it's still not small. Um, I'm glad that it brought me to the spot where I could relate to my clients. They see the transformation. They know they can do it. I'm not just, you know, a 30 year old that's never been out of shape and always had, you know, great genetics and whatnot. So This is a short one, but it is something I am thankful for. It, again, made me stronger, made me tougher, more relatable. So it is a a good thing. And then lastly, I want to be thankful for my tribe. Um, I was never a girl power girl growing up, maybe because I was like a big old tomboy my whole life, and so were my friends, right? Sports were our lives. Um, we kind of associated that girl power, rah, rah, rah stuff to cheerleaders, Girl Scouts, like those kind of people. 
Um, I did love my tribe growing up. My best friends then um, are my best friends now, but they were more so, they were like family when I was growing up. Like I was with them every single day of my life. So holy moly, did we fight and we were nasty to each other. Um, And I didn't maybe really appreciate or value the friendship as much as I do now seeing my best friends with my kids and the fact that my Rustin and Rory call some of them aunt and uncle like that is just unbelievable um and as time came and went I always had awesome people around me because I was always on teams and teams are always a special part in sports it's what I miss the most about playing but it wasn't until recently when I started my coaching company and then I got older and wiser that I truly became like obsessed and so appreciative of my tribe, old and new. Um, Like I said, I still have the same friends since I was 12. I may not see them all the time um, and it may not be every one of them, but they're still here. We still get together. Our kids know each other. Again, my kids call them aunt. Um, It's such an awesome thing to have. Uh, I'm lucky enough that my family, right, it supports me. They watch my babies. They teach my kids. They bring them places. They don't just, they're not just grandma and grandpa. They're, you know, they're, they're camp explorers and they're teachers. And I'm just so lucky with that. And I swear this next part is not foo-foo. It's not because they're listening and it's not because my husband's listening, but I hit the fucking jackpot with my in-laws um, and my whole extended family for that matter. And again, if you know me, you know them and you know I'm not kidding. I always say that my mother-in-law one day is just going to be like taken up by doves into like an angelic world because she's so sweet. Um, She cracks us up because she's so different from my mother, Um, but it is such an awesome thing to have. They are around the corner, obviously, um, which I have said multiple times, but beyond supportive. Like they watch the kids for fun. Not because we necessarily ask. If we ask, of course they watch them. But they come over because they just want to see them. Or they just want to give us a break. And they take them. Like, could that be any better? Um, They help with house things. My mother-in-law will take my laundry sometimes and just do it for me. Um, She did buy me two vacuums when we bought our house. And my father-in-law was like, are you kidding me? You bought her vacuums? But I loved it. Um, They are beyond generous and supportive They never say no to things. I really hit the jackpot. Um, It takes a village to raise kids, and I could not agree with that more. And I hit, again, I hit the jackpot with my village. Um, Some of the mom friends that I have made are freaking unreal um, and are going to be life, lifelong friends, and I just know it. Um, They're the gals that just get it. They don't judge you. They truly root for you and offer to help with no strings attached. I have people around the block that pick up my kid from school without any kind of question, do my hair for me because they know I'm challenged. They have birthday candles when you forget, medicine for your kids the second you ask. They support you when you're having a hard day. They're a drinking bunny buddy when it's just that time. And I'm so lucky that I have this group of women like three blocks around me. Um, lifesavers and even a couple towns around me. Mom friends are pretty cool. Um, My kids are so lucky to have the adults they do in their lives. Even the dads are cool. Um, But my kids have some of the best role models two blocks over. Um, You know, two blocks west, one block north, two blocks south are who I want my kids to emulate themselves after. And that is awesome. Um, 
another part of my tribe, right, are my clients. And as much as sometimes I want to yell and scream, um, I have met some of the most amazing human beings through coaching. Some girls I've never even met before in real life, but they are so supportive and my biggest fans. Like, how cool is that? Like, they are genuinely amazing people that, like, come to my marathon at the end to just say, great job. We're not really friends. Like, I help you with your nutrition, but you are that supportive. You are that awesome. Like, those are the people I want to be around. Um, My clients make me laugh. They make me cry, and it takes a lot for me to cry. Um, And I've been so honored to work with them. Some I plan on being friends with till I'm 90 years old. Um, This job also allowed me to meet some freaking amazing human beings on the coaching world too, right? I'm able to be surrounded by people with like-minded beliefs who are confident with being labeled weird, right? We're weird because we watch what we eat. We're weird because we meal prep. We are weird because we go to the gym at 4.30. We're weird because we take walks instead of the, no, we take the stairs instead of the elevator, right? We don't black out every Friday to Sunday. And that's cool. Like I have a tribe of people that are totally down with being weird. Um, And I guess for my tribe, the last four most important little boogers are my little love bugs at home. So my Rustin, Rory, Obi, and my hubby. Um, I guess we could count my fish. I do feel more attached to my first fish pick, RIP. Um, Bergen, you're great, but I don't know. I just don't have that connection with you, so I'm not going to put you in this for now. I never had that feeling of like, I need to be a mom or I can't wait to be a mom. It was not something I ever felt with like dying passion. Um, Even when I got pregnant, I was like pumped to tell Tom, but I wasn't like, this is it. This is my calling. Um, I never really loved kids. I'm not a good player. Um, Even though I'm a teacher, no part of me wanted to teach elementary school. But after we got married, it kind of just seemed to be the next step. And wow, I've never enjoyed a role more. Um, it is hard as fuck, but it is also so enjoyable. I love my two little peanuts more than I ever could attempt to put into words. They have made me a better person, a more patient person, a little bit more of a drinker. Um, just kidding. But they have made me so much better. Um, even when I am stressed and Looney Tune and yelling, but A gal pal of mine once said, love is like sharing oranges. Um, I'll explain that more in the end. And she's right. I'm going to do a whole podcast on like mom life where I dive into the good, the bad, the ugly. So I'm not going to go on more about this, but they do rock even when they drive me nuts and they are my why. And then lastly, my Thomas. Um, Eight years together, not that long, right? From our first date to having two kids who are four and two. Um, first date, engaged, married, house, two kids later, we have moved moved pretty quick. It's kind of how I do things. I'm a little impulsive. Um, It hasn't been all butterflies and rainbows. Everyone knows that, but it's been fun. And I am so pumped for the place we are in now and what we have ahead of us. He is insanely supportive. I could not imagine doing all this without his support. And it's only gotten more And he is truly my number one fan. I mean, everyone listen to this, right? He truly wanted me to beat his marathon time. If I don't know, I don't know what true love is if it's not that. Because I'm not sure I could say the same. I would have been pissed if he beat mine. 
But no, he meant it with every being that he wanted me to crush his time, like selfless. Um, I'm also going to do a full podcast on marriage life because again, it is not all rainbows and butterflies and it's hard to navigate. Um, Maybe I'll do it around Valentine's Day to be cliche. So I'm not going to give away all our secrets now, but thank you. Thank you so much. And I'm beyond thankful for the family that we have. Um, So that is it. It was a brief, I know it's 50 minutes long, dive into what I'm thankful for this year and pretty much every year. And before I go, I just want to do two things. So hold on because the ending is, a, I think, a good one this time. I first off want to say thank you for listening. Um, I'm thankful for every single one of you. And most of you guys are my clients or my family. So I already did thank you. But please like this, review, share this podcast. It means more to me than you'll ever know. It also helps me out a lot. Um, The more engagement I have, the more it goes out there. And I do think I'm pretty relatable and normal. So I really hope that people who are looking for someone like them on a podcast can listen to this. Um, Also, check out my lifestyle app and one-on-one coaching. That is really my passion. I want to help as many people as I can. It could be a very awesome, tiny bit awkward gift to give someone this Christmas. But hey, go for it. Um, And lastly, I want to go back to that poem about sharing oranges um, because I'm obsessed with it and I hate poetry, never liked it, never will. I usually don't understand it. I suck at rhyming. But when my babysitter friend slash sister slash adopted daughter showed me this poem, I just got all these feelings, all these happy feelings. I love the simplicity And I just love the message behind it. I think I've read it a thousand times and she only showed it to me last week. I'm already looking into tattoos for it. I just, I love it. Um, I think it embodies everything this world is kind of missing and that everyone needs to slow down and kind of just look at what's around them, appreciate it. Um, And if we all just looked at life like Wendy, the author of this poem, I think the world would be a better place. Maybe we wouldn't be so anxious and having so many mental breakdowns. Um, So here it is. Okay. Wendy Copes, the orange. At lunchtime, I bought a huge orange. The size of it made us all laugh. I peeled it and shared it with Robert and Dave. They got quarters and I had half. And the orange, it made me so happy, as ordinary things often do. Just lately, the shopping, a walk in the park, this is peace and contentment. It's new. The rest of the day was quite easy. I did all my jobs on my list and enjoyed them and had some time over. I love you. I'm glad I exist. And that's it. You can love yourself. You can be proud of yourself. You can be glad you exist. And you can be 100% content with taking walks in the park, going shopping, and splitting an orange with your friend.